Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Don't be just upset if you've not seen the match previews. Um... We were winning in Australia, so we thought we'd start the season with the Australia intro. Um, and we won against Everton, so we kept it kept it going. And we lost to Palace, and we said, if we lose, we'll, we'll put the France intro back on to see if that's a good luck charm. So, not talking about France, not talking about pre-season. Ash isn't over there again. We're here to talk about Villa versus West Ham, and we'll see whether that uh, intro gets another out in next week. Um, I'm joined by John Townley this afternoon, who's been at the press conference at Bodymore this morning. You're covering the game for us on Sunday as well. I think Ash has got a bit of time off. Um, so you're doing Man, uh, West Ham and Arsenal, I think you said. Um, first of all, John, how are you? I'm good, mate. Very hectic morning and afternoon. It's four o'clock now. So, yeah, really busy day, really busy weekend coming up. And then, you know, plenty going on next week. So, obviously, transfer deadline too. So, mm. yeah, plenty for us to get our teeth into. So let's talk about the press conference then. First of all, like I said, you've been down to Bodymore today. You don't drive, or you didn't drive to, to there at least, and it's a difficult place to get to Bodymore Heath without <laughs> without a car. So how was it, first of all, before we delve into the what Stephen Joe actually said, what was it like to go to Bodymore and, and have a chat with them? Yeah, really good. Um, for anyone who hasn't been around Bodymore recently, it's it's, uh, it's like grand spanking. It's really, really nice. It's, it's all done up. I think there was just a lot of work going on at Bodymore a couple of years ago, um, probably because of HS2 and things like that. But um, mm. no, it, it's really nice. It's, it's, it's all shiny. It's all like golden gates. It's really uh, it's really good. I've been to other clubs and headsets and it's nothing like Bodymore. Um, so no, yeah, it's always like a pleasure to go there. And in general, yeah, uh, Gerard himself, really good today. Um, I think it's two sections. You have the broadcast section, the written section done and in the broadcast section, he was almost a little bit spiky. Uh, probably some questions that he might have wanted to avoid um, in the written section. He was he was really chirpy. Um, he's always really good with the media, so you know, no complaints. But no, it's always um, always a privilege to go to Bodymore and and fight fight the questions at the Villa manager. So, what did he say then? What was your kind of key takeaway from the press conference? We'll get into you know, the the topics as we go through injuries and stuff like that. But what was your kind of main takeaway from what what he said? It was transfers. That was the main uh, the main topic of conversation. Obviously, next Thursday is the deadline. Uh, plenty of work for Villa to do. Many people think um, the kind of message that Gerald had put across was that nothing's imminent, as in within a day or over the weekend, perhaps. But Villa are a club that can sort of turn it on when when they need to. If, if the right target becomes available, um, then it's almost like a twenty four hour job. That I think this late in the transfer window as well. I think you start to see deals what's been done sort of overnight almost it takes some transfers weeks and maybe months to get done but when it comes towards the end you, you, you know things happen quite things move quickly um especially with sort of dominoes effects those those sorts of things like i don't know like a trevor chalaba and wesley fafana for example maybe chalaba is someone that would go into uh if fafana goes to chelsea that that sort of thing and he did touch upon that uh the loan especially for diego carlos as well um he kind of made it apparent that that's an option that the club will look at or have been looking at because um, he's he's fully uh, fully believed that Carlos was back for uh, some part of the 
um, season. So that's, you know, uh, a positive in itself. I know that we've been linked to Bednarek and linked to, uh, mm-hmm. I think, Diallo from PSG and other players to, you know, names obviously being mentioned at the press conference. Um, but plenty of that Gerard said in terms of if it's not the right player, the player won't be joining the club. Um, mentioned that with Sarah as well. Obviously, that was a big topic of conversation. It's kind of clear that the club pulled out of that. Who who was pulling out of it? I'm not too sure um, from which direction. So obviously, a, uh, a fee was agreed, um, but it didn't get completed for reasons X, Y, Z. I'm not too sure if that was Gerard um, pulling out or if it was something, something else, someone else in the hierarchy. Uh, but Gerard made it clear and he was in full agreement that if not everyone's in agreement to that transfer, then it's not worth um, you know uh, going ahead with because the last thing you want to do is stockpile players when it doesn't um, it doesn't make sense for the club to do so. So yeah, the, the main thing is transfers. Nothing imminent, but the club are looking. They're always in the market. It's probably not what fans want to hear. With how many days we're away now? Uh, five days, is it? Mm, something like that. Right, five six days away from the deadline. Um, but. I think I think next week it'll ramp up. I think we'll get the centre half in. Obviously, midfielders on the radar. We've just gone for Ishmael Sar, so clearly there's a forward. Um, there's a forward that Gerard wants too. So it's almost free. You're looking at sort of free players there. Don't think three is going to come through the door. I think there'll be an almighty push if we do get that. Um, but certainly one or two. I think I think that's almost the minimum. I think Gerard wants at least one or two. Hmm. Well, we started this off by saying it's been a long day. Oh, there's my microphone wasn't even plugged in while you were talking there. It's a comment saying my audio is rubbish, so it should sound better now than it did a couple of minutes ago. Well, Stan Transfers asked you the piece uh, this morning about the dream, a dream end to the transfer window. So I want to uh, highlight that piece and put those questions to you. He asked four questions to us, but I'll only put two of them to you. Yeah. Uh, the first one was, what does a dream end to the transfer window look like to Villa? Uh, well, I think obviously centre-half is a, is a must. Um, I think it's difficult because at this time in the transfer window, are we going to improve the team drastically? For me, I, I don't think we are. So The first team, start on 11. Yeah, pretty much. And to me, that's if we're looking at players that are just going to come into the team for the sake of buying players, for the sake of buying a midfielder, I'd rather not. I'd rather wait till January. I'd rather wait till next summer because you're just going to be left with players. For instance, and I don't like using him as an example, Morgan Sanson, we know he's a good player. And I've said it before, if we were linked with him now and it's a Champions League player and he plays for Marseille and he's a good player and we know he is, then we'd probably be, um, you know, up about that and thinking, no, oh, this is going to change and blah, blah, blah. This is going to make the team so much better. And what's turned out is that you can't get a game. So we don't want to be in the left in that position again. Gerard made it clear again in this press is saying that um, he inherited, inherited sorry, a big squad. There's a lot of volume and he wanted to trim it, but then take take players in that are going to take us to that next level, I suppose. And I don't think we're going to get that through the door right now unless it's like a loan for a, I don't know, would kind of Gallagher make us too much... So much better for one season. I want a one season loan. I'm not sure. There's obviously been links with him, Newcastle and Everton and West Ham after him as well. Um the centre half, again, you're just covering for Carlos, you're not going to get in the quality that he uh, that he has or replace it even. And then a forward, I think it's Mali was probably as best as we're going to get for the price that we were willing to pay. Um so it's a tricky one. I don't want to be downbeat about it, Dan, but I I don't think we can in in this in the space of a week, I don't think we we're gonna look too much better. I could be proven wrong if we go out and spend thirty, forty million pound on a midfielder, or as we say, like West Ham going for Paqueta and um, he's that going to Newcastle for 60, 70 million. So the deals are always in the pipeline for Premier League clubs because they've got money to spend. But I, I don't see it with Villa at the moment. It doesn't feel like we're uh, like we're sort of in the market to 
to spend big, should we say, in the next week or so. I think we're more in the market just to sort of reassure the squad. Um, but personally, always says as well, it's um, the summer and January, two windows, but both the same in terms of how they view it. So I wouldn't be surprised if they left it until January for that ideal midfielder or that um, attacker that we uh, have missed out on in the summer. So, yeah, ideally a centre-half and a midfielder and potentially another forward, but I don't think we're going to get the players in that are going to drastically improve. So I'd, I'd be okay if we just get a centre-half in at this point. I mean, I'll ask you your dream transfer window then. You've got those guns and my next question would be, which is what would be a nightmare window for Aston Villa? <laughs> but I'm not starting yeah. anybody. Um, yeah. I think my answer to that earlier was a uh, centre-half to replace Carlos, if, if this is his dream. You want somebody to come in and be a starter. I don't think that's going to happen. I've let Courtney Hawes go now. So any centre-half, you know, just a body at this point, I think is acceptable. You at least want to see one centre-half in. Um, They look like they're going to be after a forward with the SAR link. Um, That probably depends on whether Archer stays or goes. And I said, in an ideal dream scenario, perfect scenario, if I'm playing football manager, I'd probably want two midfielders, not just one. I think you probably want a number six and a number eight, to be honest, to to have real options and add some more quality in there. Um, so the flip side of that then, if the if it was a was a nightmare window then, it's not signing anybody. I, I think nightmare window would obviously be not getting in the centre half or getting in the centre half that isn't at the level to really compete for a starting position. You need to be getting someone that's um look, I think Jan Bednarek's an okay player, but if he comes into the team instead of Ming's Contra or Chambers, are we better? For me, I don't think we are. I think if maybe like an Abdu Diallo that we've been linked to from PSG, I think that could improve us um, in specific games and it's the right sort of profile um, is what Diego Carlos is. I think a bad window, yeah, would just be getting the centre-half that isn't either at the level, doesn't make us much better or we don't get one at all. But then I would also add we buy a midfielder or a forward that just adds volume because that's we, we can't, we can't keep doing that because we'll just be shipping off players to Turkey every summer. Um, and that strapped us a little bit this summer, if I feel. You know, Sanson and Traore, Trezeguet, all these players kind of trying to get them off the wage book. Uh, Gilbert as well. Maybe that's sort of... Kept, uh, I, I'm not sure if, sure if that's sort of, I don't know, kept us behind a little bit, but I, I'm not, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's very ideal that we're always working to get players out the door instead of bringing them in throughout the summer I think obviously we got a business done early and it was good business with Kamara and Carlos but we had a lot of work to do um, in terms of outgoings as well and we can't be doing that every summer I don't no top club has six or seven players that they need to ship out because they're just not good enough it just screams of you know not bad recruitment but in two years Troy goes from 70 million quid to you know a couple million quid to or whatever it is, is a loan deal now, isn't it, to Turkey? So, yeah, a, a bad window for me is just adding volume to the squad that's unnecessary. Mm. There's a comment from uh, Lee Johnson here, uh, not the football manager, I want to thought. He said, I really think better coaching will improve us more than a new signing. Gerald has to get to grips with the job he has with this squad. Mm. And there was a comment, there's a YouTube profile with just an M as their username, so I don't have a picture, and it says Matt Kendrick. And I thought, is that the Matt Kendrick? Or is this just some, some impersonator? But it is Matt Kendrick. I messaged him uh, just now. Yeah, he said, yeah. agree with Lee Johnson. The answer is not always in new signings. It's getting a tune out of the current squad. But that's not to say I wouldn't like a shiny new centre-half and a bright and striker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll ask you what your dream, your dream would be. Yeah, you do want more numbers because that is... That's the excitement of football, isn't it? New players, it's shiny. It's a, it's a, something to get excited about. But there's got to be a point where you look at the squad and go, maybe the current squad we've got now isn't worth 400 million because we've had to kind of build a squad, sell players, build another squad in, kind of you know having to stay up and consolidate and stuff like that. But you have to get to a point where you think we've spent a hell of a lot of money. What are we getting out of that money? 
can a, can a coach get something out of these players rather than just going, here's a no fifty million pound striker, here's a no thirty million pound midfielder. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you don't sign players, you've got to at least get the best out of what you've got, whether that's Gerard, the coaching staff, or, or somebody else later down the line in, in yeah, years to come, months to come. I think we mentioned that in our um, our, like preseason preview. I think we all we're all in agreement about that. It almost is in these players don't turn bad players overnight. Every transfer we've made in the past three or four years have all been, that's a really good player coming to the club and he's going to change us. And this is going to be, this is why it's great to spend 25 million pounds on Danny Ings and these players. We have so much quality in the squad, but someone needs to knit it together. Um, whether that's Gerard or his coaching team as well, because obviously we lost Bale and now we've got Critchley. I wonder if there's a bit of lag in terms of Critchley coming into the club. Obviously mm. didn't have Australia. Now he's had four weeks of Premier League football. Uh, sorry, we've had four weeks since the league started. Um, I wonder if there's a almost a lag in terms of getting his getting Gerard's ideas across into the team. Obviously, there's change there. Um, it's not ideal at all, but you need yeah. He's, you know, Matt's completely right. You need you need those players to be coached into the system that's needed because Luca Dean doesn't go from the French left back, the first choice left back, to to not performing against Crystal Palace and being dominated by you know Jordan Ayew. It doesn't happen like that. So yeah, it's. To me, it's down to Gerard as well. You can't just keep buying new players. And he, he was fully in agreement with that in the press conference today. He said, it's not up to me to keep demanding players. Um, mm-hmm. We need to work with what we have. And I think that's the right attitude. You know, that's how that's how David Moore has got West Ham in the top seven. He's recruited well, yes, but he's also coached Aaron Cresswell uh, into a centre-half. He's coached the, all these different players, Rice into one of the best players in the league. And they were relegation fodder a couple of years ago, weren't they, with us? So mm. it just proves what, what a manager can do uh, with a set of players that that are underperforming, I suppose. Yeah, this isn't really the time to get stuck into Neil Critchley's role, to be honest, but there was a few questions about him coming mm-hmm. as a manager and now being a number two. And there's a lot of talk about Michael Beale kind of being the main man and doing all the talking, whether Critchley's got his ideas across yet and whether we're seeing kind of what we're seeing at the moment isn't Stephen Gerrard's team, but it's Neil Critchley trying to get his ideas across. I don't know whether it's time for kind of debriefing what what the setup is like at the moment. We'll probably see how things get you know, if things improve over the next five or six weeks, people will go, oh yeah, things are starting kind of ticking along nicely. It's only when things aren't going well, we all start to go, hmm, who's doing what here? Uh, I think there was something from another paper today about the Instagram group that was set up last, last year by Beale to kind of show training pictures not being used as much now and stuff like that. And it's like, this wouldn't be a story if Villa were doing well. It's just one of those things that there's something, something to moan about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll end on the press conference stuff in a second, but there was one from Adam Wright that I just wanted to clear up. He said, was it John or Ash at the press today? Just watched it. Joe seemed a bit prickly towards some, some journos' thoughts. You mentioned it at the start, but it is two sections, broadcast and written. The stuff that Adam will have seen is the broadcast section to Sky Sports and people like that. Yeah, I don't know what I think about Joe's comments. Somebody asked this a couple of weeks ago. I think me and Ash spoke about it. Sometimes I don't mind it. I think, yeah, bite back a bit. If it's a stupid question or a silly question, you know, kind of say it's a silly question and, and kind of defend yourself. Yeah. Other times you just think, mm, is that a manager under pressure? Kind of just wanted to bat away a press conference because he wants to get back on the training pitch or whatever. And press yeah. is kind of a side piece. Yeah, I... I, w- I honestly wouldn't read anything into it at all. I think you had the Tyra Ming stuff and he was asked, honestly asked questions every single press conference for weeks on that. Um, that would have grown tiresome. And after just losing Bourm- losing to Bournemouth, sorry, he's obviously going to bite a little bit, a little bit sorry, inside that Mings has got to look him in the eyes and earn his place. For me, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, same as Buendia. I think he bit on a Buendia question a few weeks ago. Again, it's been asked about Buendia since the end of March. You're going to bite back at some point. I think it's because of Gerard as well. You kind of expect him as this, as Gerard, when he does something, it's like, oh. 
<laughs> in a way, yeah. Um, that's but to me, none of that's a problem. It's like in the written section, um, and I think a lot of what's been voiced in terms of negativity and blah 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 that would probably come from <laughs> us written journalists. So Gerard's fully aware of that, and is is never a problem with with them um, with, with the written guys and girls. So yeah, it's honestly not a. Um, it's no story. I, he just gets wound up a little bit. I think with some questions that he'd rather not speak about, or if, if he's answered something already in the mm. last week, and the, I don't know, it's it's tip for tat. It's I think you probably get it most most um, press conferences with a different manager, but because it's Gerard, it's probably highlighted a little bit, and especially because we're in not great form. Um, but no, in the other section, which is the written section, when you probably have more more sort of um, reason to kind of come after us after we write certain things like the broadcasters will only ask questions. Um, he's probably got a more sort of, sort of an excuse to maybe bite us, but he doesn't. He's, he's always really good. Um, yeah, he's, he's a, I, say he's ple- he's not, I don't want to say a pleasure to work with because that sounds a bit cringy, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Stop sucking up, John. Um, it's basically a non-story. And what is also a bit of a non-story really is the injury update. I mean, the injury update is that basically everybody but Diago Carlos is fit and available. Is, is that correct? You've literally just completed that as the injury update finished. Yeah, it took me seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, clean bit of health. Uh, Ludwig Augustinson um, trying this morning. Good pronunciation. I think it was a knock, a knock on in his knee or something. So that's why it wasn't in the Bolton squad. Um, so yeah, all good. I think Courtney House was the only other injury problem, but obviously I was gone out on loan. So yeah, um, all good. Let's move on to the next section, which is away from match day. This is a little bit where we talk about something that isn't West Ham versus Aston Villa related, or Aston Villa versus West Ham, I should say. Um, and today's little topic that I'm going to suggest, I mean, feel free to, you know, this is any other business. If you're in a meeting, this would be the any other business section. So feel yeah. free to offer something on the agenda if you want to. But for me, it's the third kit. Third kit came out today. Do you like yeah. it? Do you hate it? Tell me what you think. I do like it. It's very fashionable nowadays for, um, for a club to have. Black sort of black and gold, black and yellow. It's very like in, isn't it? I think we're probably the last, the last Premier League club to not have an away kit. There's black and yellow. So yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm not too keen on the kind of like details and patterns. I quite like my football shirts to be like clean and smart. I don't know, but I don't think that would, it's not that, it's not that deep really. I think, yeah, black and yellow is quite nice. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So a few people saying it. it's like a Wolves training kit because it's also Castor and it's black and gold or black yeah. and yellow. I don't mind it. I, like, I do like black kits, but I, I, like, I like white ones. And we don't have a white shirt this year, so I would yeah. quite like to see white, but it's very similar to the, the sky blue away, I suppose. What do you think of um, white? It's all right. I've seen it in person a couple of times now, and it's better in person than when I first saw the pictures. But I like white. I like claret and blue for home, white away. Um, I said I said it might be yellow this year. I have some kind of yellow element because that is obviously one of the colours we've had throughout the years. Um, yeah, black kits are quite fashionable. Um, yeah. I think with the first shirt, you can go a bit wild with it. You do what you want, and it's yeah. away shirt white if you can. I don't know. I'm not to me. I, I look at uh, the away shirt like against Crystal Palace. It was you could just see loads of sweat everywhere. It wasn't it was almost <laughs> like they were like a almost like a navy blue, and then the shorts were pale blue. I'm not a fan, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Um, are you aware of the third kit curse? Not to be fair, no. You're not. Okay, so this is from this is from AVFC Stato. If anyone follows them on Twitter, some of the stats I was speaking to them earlier. I don't know their name. Apologies. I know that they're watching this. So if you want to send me a DM with your name, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the credit you deserve. Some of the stats, I just think, where have you pulled that from? And they replied to me saying, I've got like an Excel spreadsheet with like 80 pages and I update it after every game with all these different stats going back different, you know, different years of different games and results and stuff. Um, 
basically, since Aston Villa returned to the Premier League, Villa have played 14 times in their third kit and only won once against Burnley on New Year's Day. So we've got this bit of a third kit curse. Um, there are, uh, how many is that, 13? There's 13 other losses. No, well, 13 other games we haven't won at least. Can you remember any of those off the top of your head? There's a little quiz and then I can um, give you the answer. I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit. I know, I know we've obviously played West Ham in the third shirt. Mm-hmm. One will draw with them on the final day of the season. You can see that the green one there. Goodness me, no. I don't think I could. I don't remember okay. when it was, to be honest. I'm going to um, remove that from the screen so I can go and see it properly. Uh, so bear with me a second because they sent me a, a direct message with uh, all these stats. And I just thought, I just don't know where all this comes from. So I'm not going to read them all out, but you got a Man City 3-0 defeat and you uh, beat Burnley, the one I've just shown you. Then we had Liverpool in the shirt that's behind me, I think. Yeah, this one, uh, which was a yeah. 3-0. I actually quite like that one, to be fair, with the map of like, the Midlands, Burnham area on it. Uh, two against West Ham, a draw and a defeat, a draw to Chelsea, another defeat to Burnley. Um, and then we've lost one, two, three, four, five, eight games in a row in the third kit. Yeah. So we've got this, this third kit curse. We've lost eight games in a row. So whenever this third kit comes out, and it with a we just crap away. <laughs> well, yeah. could, could be a bit of both. Got Man City, West Ham, Brentford, Southampton, Arsenal, Palace, Liverpool and Burnley were the last eight games that Villa played in the third kit and lost. Um, yeah, comment here from Matthew. That's not a third kit curse. That's our form. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a home kit curse as well. <laughs> Just curse, just curse, full stop. Um, so that was uh, away from match day. Have you got any any other business you want to add to the podcast that's away from Villa West Ham? Have you anything else you want to talk about? I've been inundated with Villa thing, Villa news and everything for the past 24 hours. So, no, I don't. I wish I did. Have you got anything else? No, I think that was it. I think that was it. Let's move on. Uh, let's go with predicted 11 then. Um, now, a couple of weeks ago, we did predicted 11 versus preferred 11, a side that we thought Gerard would pick and then a side that I would pick if I was in charge. But I haven't had time to pick a preferred 11, so I'm just going to say I agree with yours. So I'll flash up on screen and you can talk us through your predicted 11 for Aston Villa versus West Ham. Yeah, so Martinez, Mings, Cash then yeah, solid back four. Louise, Kamara, McGinn. I think Louise needs to play for me. I think West Ham. I'm not too sure why Jacob Ramsey's going to get joy. Um, I hope I've jinxed that. But... I don't know, they're, they're very compact, aren't they? West Ham playing against Rice, Suchek, mm. big defenders. It's, I'm not sure. I, just, I don't think they're going to leave much space between their defence. So I think just keeping it compact ourselves with Louise McGinn and uh, Kamara. Can we keep the ball well? I don't know. Perhaps. I think Louise gives a, a better chance of that. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, final third, I went with Bailey, Coutinho and Watkins. Just because I don't think we'll go to up front. I'm not sure if... I think they play far at the back, don't they, West Ham? Or was it four? But I know they play with uh, high fullbacks. So I don't know if playing uh, two strikes would do too much because I think you need to match them up on the wings as well. So I, or I, I'm, I'm almost matching them, which is a bit negative to play at home. But to be honest, in the games we've played against West Ham, since we got promoted, I don't think we've had much luck against them at all, have we? So I'm okay to match them. And can we sneak a goal here and there? I, don't, I think it's a game that we... It's, not must not lose this early into the season, but oh, I think it is. Do you think? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I don't know what losing what losing means. I don't think yeah. we'd sack Gerard if yeah. we lost, but losing and having a bad atmosphere and stuff again. It's just if you get a win, just you get get rid of all that, and then you've got this nice little period then of beating Bolton. Yes, it's Bolton. Right. One. Right. The rest of must not lose. I think I, I I think I meant must not win. I think that's what I'm trying to say. 
as in a draw, a draw yeah. will be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Fine. I agree. Yeah, agree with that. But losing, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you beat Bolton and get something at West Ham, at least a draw, hopefully a win, and then you've got transfer window to end as well. And if you do sign a couple of players out of nowhere, the atmosphere then is totally different that's and that's transformed in like a week's time. So if you yeah. lose on Sunday, I do think that is again. I don't know if it means the end for Gerard or, or what. Whether it's as brutal as that, I don't think it would be. Um, the atmosphere and stuff, yeah. Just, just yeah. get at least a point. I think people would would, would recognise that as being a decent point, need, regardless of the start yeah. West Ham have had. And we need to be solid. I think that's the point I'm trying to get yeah. across. Play well, exactly. Yeah, I, th- I don't think West they haven't scored yet, and obviously, again, that will probably change at the weekend. But they're not free scoring are they at the moment. That's the point. Mm. If they get one goal, I'm right. I think we can score against them as well. So you, you kind of, it might not be a very entertaining game, but. I think that's how we're going to have to play the game. If we take it to them, we could probably get caught out. So I'd rather see us play solid just because we haven't been solid in the first three weeks either. So mm-hmm. I think that's time for a clean sheet, should we say that? And then and then we can move on with it, hopefully um, a couple of goals and three points. Then you say transfer deadline day, two games, almost three hits in a way. And then uh, who's after that? Southampton and Leicester, two teams that we can definitely beat. So. Mm. I said I haven't had time to make a graphic of my own, so I'm going to just flash yours up again so I can at least read through it and make some changes. So Martinez, I agree with. Cash Dean and Mings, I agree with. Adolf Chambers in there, though. Um, I'll come back to that in a second. The midfield, I agree with, but I would be tempted to have Ramsey in there. But that would I, I like the idea of Louise. I think he will help us retain the ball better. Yeah. So it would probably be dropping McGinn. But I don't see that happening as, as him being captain. Bailey, Coutinho, Watkins, I don't mind if that, if that's a 4-3-3. But again, I'll be tempted with Buendia behind Ings and Watkins again and sticking with that more narrow formation and yeah. just being a bit, keep compact at the back. And if it's just long balls over the top to the strikers, again, like you said, be solid at the back as, as a base point. Just because it's a, a narrow system, I'd, I'd rather Cash and Dean just held back a bit and just keep, keep the foundation steady first of all. Um, Chambers, I'd prefer in there, but that would be, would that be our fourth Sent a half pairing in four games, is that right? Yeah, Carlos and Mings started. Yeah, Mings and Carlos have played. Yeah, would be Mings and Ch- Mings and Chambers. I haven't played yet. So Mings and Carlos are third, third. Then yeah, no, no. It was Carlos and Conza on the first day. Then it was Carlos and Mings. Then it was Mings and Conza. So this would be Mings and Chambers would be four sent half pairings in four games. Yeah, Mings and Chambers in the cup as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like him in there, but that is a lot of change. And again, if you want to be good at the back, you've probably got to have yeah. a bit of consistency somewhere, but Conce has not been good for... No, I agree. My only thing with Chambers is um, against Bolton, I wasn't particularly impressed. And I'm, I'm a massive fan of Chambers. As I said at the start of the season, I think he'd be our, um, my number one centre-half to play alongside Carlos. But he looked a bit shaky against Bolton. Uh, maybe I'm just singling him out because I don't think we were brilliant in that first 30 minutes anyway. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm mainly targeting... Uh, or, trying to nullify what they have and that's Antonio and Skamaka to be honest I'm not too sure whether Chambers or Conte which one is going to deal with either striker better than the other so I'd be happy to go with Chambers over Conte if, if needs to be a hmm. Okay um, let's end with predictions then I'm going to try and screen share my nerdy Excel spreadsheet that I've got um, so bear with me a second but you can talk through yours first because um, you're not you're not on it because <laughs> obviously it's me and Ash do the previews usually yeah. um, so your score prediction and how you see the game going what do you think? Yeah my score prediction I'm going to say I think 1-1 I don't think there's going to be too many goals because as I say I think Moyes will probably they are going to go for the win he's just said on his press conference they're going to set up to win the game but I think 
again, I don't. I think Gerard knows that if this is a game that they, that we lose, it's backs against backs against the walls already. Three games and four games into the season, so just staying compact. I think must be the message that he's going to be sending his players. Although a win would be great, I think he's almost counting on our. Um, he's mentioned in the press conference, he's sort of counting on the crowd and and everything mm. to sort of deliver the. Um, you know the support for the team, and maybe that's what's going to drive us through it. I think that's probably where he's coming from. I don't think he's going to be setting up with Coutinho, Buendia, Bailey, everyone kind of jamming forward, and we're going to attack West Ham and take the game to them. I just can't see it. So I think one-one. I think a score draw. That's yeah. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll get to mine in a second, but AFC Sato was watching. He said that is me earlier on while uh, we were talking about him, and he sent me a DM. His name is Dale. So Dale, thank you very much for your, for your, your hard work and your statage. Um, Pat, Pat pulls out some good stats out of nowhere, but I see Stato pull some stuff out. I think, how the hell does he even know that? Where's he seeing that? Where's he got that from? Um, so yeah, big fan of that. Here's my here's my geeky spreadsheet. I mean, it's not that bad. So I said, <laughs> I mean, it is bad. It's colour coded. <laughs> but I said we do these previews and we ask for score prediction. And I thought at the yeah. start of the season, what am I even asking for? We never we never go back to it. We never care about it. We just say numbers basically. So I've got Pat's in there because obviously Pat writes the preview for the newsletter. He's yeah. put Villa to win every game the first four without us even conceding yeah. a goal. It's quite small. Pat's had us to win two nil, one nil, two nil, three nil, and he's put one all for West Ham on Sunday. You got us unbeaten. I've also got us unbeaten, so people say that we're negative. When we do our predictions, we're very positive. Yeah. Um, Ash put a 3 0 Everton win there, but he did that as um, kind of uh, to jinx it, basically. He said, if I say we lose, we'll probably win. So he didn't think we'd lose, but he put it in there for that reason. Um, points wise, you get three points for a correct outcome. So if you get the score bang on, two points for, no, three points for a correct score, one point for the correct outcome. So just getting the win result, yeah. uh, win, draw, loss. And obviously, no points if you don't get anything. Um, we, we got one point against uh, Everton. So I said we win 1-0, but we won 2-1. Ash got uh, Bolton spot on with 4-1 wins. We get three points for that. I said we'd win 3-1, so I get one point for that. So it's, I've got two points. Ash has got three. Pat's got zero as far as I'm aware. No, he would be on Everton one uh, point. two. He'd be on the same as me because we did the same thing. So very long-winded. Sorry for that. Ash says West Ham 2-2. He said, let the drama unfold or something like that is the text he sent me. Pat said 1-1. You've said 1-1. So I was going to go for a draw because I thought that was probably the sensible answer. But, you know, if you want to get the, if you want to be the top of this league table, you've got to have a rogue shout in there, haven't you? Sort of... <laughs> so which way am I going to go? <laughs> is that what you're about to ask? Am I going to go rogue shout, a win or a defeat? Um, so I've been positive. I've had Villa to be unbeaten throughout the season. Um so I'm going to change that. I'm going to be, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'll say that we'll lose in the similar kind of vein to Ash in that maybe that we reverse psychology and we'll get something. Too I'll, go with, I'll go with 1-2, two, 2-1 two, West Ham, a defeat for Aston Villa at home. Let's colour code that red in the hope that's a bit of a reverse psychology and we do win. But I would absolutely take a draw. Like I could just said, I think it's a difficult start that West Ham have had in terms of not scoring a goal so far. And they're playing mm-hmm. in Europe on Thursday and stuff like that. But that's not going to last forever. They will score a goal at some point. They will get their first points at, at some point. Um, and that is still a difficult game for us. So, yeah, I think, I don't know what our records are like against West Ham. I mean, ABC, Sato, Dale, if, you, if you're still watching, send me some figures of our West Ham records. That'd be great. But I don't yes. think it's good, is it? Yeah. Uh, our record against West Ham. So I'd take a point. Um, but if we do win, obviously that that, that is huge for us. Um Matt Kendrick said, when did you introduce a new spreadsheet section? Surely I'd excel at that. 
I mean, if you actually came on the podcast at some point, you can get involved with these things. I've never seen him watching, to be fair, so that's a nice thing. Thank you. Much. Thank you. Much. So, yeah, that's um, our match preview for the West Ham game. Uh, touching on the press conference, any injury updates, the third kit released, predicted 11, and our score predictions. As always, you can get involved in the comments as well and, and drop your score predictions in the comments section. I won't be tracking those in the spreadsheet, though, because that's just way too much work. I'm sorry. Um, John, thank you very much for joining me. And um you're covering the game on Sunday. Yes. I'm working Saturday, so I'm off Sunday. So I, I won't be doing the podcast. I won't be watching the game. Unfortunately, I'm busy elsewhere. Um, so you're there and Matt Kendrick is going to be doing the podcast. But Matt Kendrick is also busy on Sunday. So the podcast is going to be Monday, unfortunately. Yep. So that's the heads up. There won't be a post-match show on Sunday evening. It'll be Monday morning, probably 9 o'clock, half 9, 10 o'clock, something like that. And it'll be you and Matt Kendrick, John and Matt Kendrick, for those that are listening. Um doing the podcast on Monday morning. So no post-match podcast on Sunday, if anyone's wondering where we are. Thank you very much for watching this uh, match preview on this Friday afternoon. John, thanks for your time as always. Go and get yourself back on your busy shift. Uh, thanks everyone for watching, especially Dale uh, from AFC Stato and Matt Kendrick, um, who says he's too busy to come on the podcast. Yeah, he's scarving off, isn't he? That's why. Um, thank you very much for watching, everybody. We'll see you again on Monday. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Thank you.